0: You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL Podcast. I'm ready to get right into it. My name is Oz David, so I'll be your host the show. And joining me, as always, is my co host, Joe Pritchard. Joe! How
1: are you doing this week? 2-0. and 0 In more ways than one.
0: Hey, man. I'm thrilled with 1-0 myself. We got the best two teams in the CFO. We though.
1: sure do. And we have the best team in the CF Pod Network Fantasy Little League we got going on. Indeed. I, and I And I figured I might as well get it in now while I'm actually ahead because I probably won't get the chance again. <laughs>
0: all right. All right. Let's go to that. Let's go to that.
1: So, uh, the my team is two zero. Oh. Uh, we did beat Superfan Mike over from the Turf District, and not only are we two and zero, oh, we have the most total points uh, in the league so far between the first two weeks. I finished among the eight of us. I finished second both weeks, but the people finishing first. Last week and this week were different people. So yeah, you're up on cumulative points. Right. Yes. So far, so good. And uh, now we'll let's never speak a bit again after our career this week. Okay.
0: <laughs> this I was gonna week. ask you, I was gonna ask you once we got to the Winnipeg game, how much you believed in curses, but uh, I guess you just answered that question for me. So you don't need to do that later because I'm afraid I'm gonna curse your Winnipeg blue Bombers later on. Right. Wow, I'm for obvious reasons. I'm ready to get right into this. Let's talk last week's games first. Uh, I'm excited now that all nine teams have played. I think that a few of these teams, their short-term futures are set. I think we're seeing at least early on who the class of the league is, who are separating themselves. And we've got a couple of teams that we can really wonder just WTF about. Let's go on to the first game. BC Lions 15 at Calgary Peters 9. Now, of course, I guess, as we were talking about before the show, the biggest news about this game is the news that we didn't know at the time. Would you say,
1: Joe? Yep. I would say uh, Bo Levi Mitchell with a broken leg on the sixth game. As of today, we're recording on August the 17th on Tuesday. Uh, That news just broke earlier today, so I'm sure you've already heard it out there in podcast land, but... He played on it this past week, and it's obvious that there was something wrong. So a lot of people on Twitter, um, and across the CFL fan universe and the media were kind of going, "Hmm, this isn't the bow we know and know." Some say love, lots say hate, but it wasn't the same one we're used to. And well, uh, when you're playing on a broken fibula, that that would explain why. Your throws don't have the same zip as you're used to, and uh, explain why the BC Lions can come into town and pick you off four times and leave with a victory.
0: Yeah, pick her off four times and sack three times. Mm-hmm. So, and each of those, and each of those seven, I don't know what you want to call them, negatives was done by different player. Obviously. So, I kind of wanted to see a little bit of the positive on BC's side there, uh, in that, you know, the, the defense is actually looking sharp. Again, I don't know how much you want to put on Bo Levy Mitchell here, but I was also wondering this, even before we heard this news about the stamps is I mean, could 2021 be, you know, at least a bump in the road?
1: Well, oh, it's already it's already shown to be a bump in the road. Now the question is, is it a pothole or is it just a bump?
0: <laughs> right. This is what I'm wondering, is that because, again, you know, for so long, we've taken it for granted. It happens with the champions in the CFL every year. It happens with the best team in the CFL every year. You get picked apart. And I almost feel like the effects of the erosion are finally being seen now. I think we'll really see it in week three with Bo out. Just in the past, let's see, so I guess this would be the past two seasons and three offseasons. In just those years, Alex Singleton went to the NFL. Now there's a there's a former defensive MLP. Reggie Bagleton, who in a year with the stamps, you know, broke out, became a star, I believe led the league in, in receiving yards, and then went to the NFL. Yet, uh, yeah, Markin Mitchell, who was the rookie of the year, well, he was the Western half rookie of the year in 2017. He goes, wins the Great Cup with the Stamps, and then goes to the NFL. Along with that, you know, you've got the NFL, uh, CFL teams doing what they do. And just this offseason, the Argos picked up eight Stampeders. I mean, you know, the, this, this picking apart, this eros- this corrosive effect eventually is going to show. And I think it shows in week three of the 2021 season.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and another thing, too, who made the decision to play Bo with a broken leg? <laughs> Was it Bo overriding the coaching staff saying "I think I can go"? Was it the they knew he was injured after week one? Is my understanding. Uh, did Bo did Bo implore implore them to continue with them, or did the coach make the call, or what's going on here? Because that's two that's two weeks in a row now where we've had odd injury situations going on with quarterbacks and it seems like the teams are lacking some sort of control and it's confusing me as to why you're risking your large investment on Michael Riley and believe I Mitchell when they're clearly clearly hurt and this is week one and two I don't get that
0: well short season would be the thing but
1: sure but at the same time if they go down now for the year, you're done anyway. If they, if if there's, if there's an injury that could take, they could take some time to heal early on. You still got a chance that they come back midseason.
0: Especially since you've got a couple of other teams that are perfectly willing to go oh and two.
1: Oh, exactly. There's not
0: six playoff teams in this league right now. Good call. Good call on that. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, you're kind of the accentuate the positive guy. I mean, you could also look at this game from another perspective, and that is that, you know, BC Lions did just enough to get by. Uh, they're happy for the win. Uh, like I said, the defense did a nice job. Of course, you know, we, don't know, we didn't know the extent of, of Bo Levin. Yes. And, and
1: we're also seeing that Michael Riley had some zip on, on the ball, which he didn't have week one. Right. So whatever he was dealing with may either be over or they found a way to treat it a little bit better. Uh, we don't know that. We're obviously not doctors. Uh, at least I'm not. I don't think you are either. Uh, but at the same time, he looked healthier from from week one to week two. So clearly, something changed for the positive on that front. And they also decided to make a change in their kicking game too. Uh, well, uh, one week might be a fluke, but two weeks in a row of spotty kicking is going to is going to lead to a change, especially if it's a rookie kicker. So what do you see for BC going forward at this point? Let's do overreactions week two. Well, it's still hard to say. It's (laughs) early. But at least they're standing up and saying, you need to pay attention Mm -hmm. to us. We're not going down easily. Okay, great. Great.
0: All right. Moving on. Uh, The game. I'm sure you'd like to talk about, Joe. Winnipeg Blue Bombers 20, Toronto Argonaut 7. Now, I said at the top of the show, how do you feel about curses? If I'm making power ratings right now, the Bombers are number one. I mean, in this game, you know, tremendous defense throughout. You know, ever since the season opening touchdown uh, from Hamilton, you know, on the first drive from them, they've allowed seven points. You know, when they are and when the Argos did score in this game, the Bombers just answered right back and really settled the talk of the comeback right off the bat. I mean, th- this team is better right now than the
1: team that won the
0: Grey Cup, are they not?
1: I would say so. I mean, th- these guys look great. Yeah, the team that won the Grey Cup got hot at the end of the season after they had a cold spell midseason. This team so far hasn't had a chance to have a cold spell, but they came out, came out of the blocks hot. Uh, their offense isn't quite where they would want it to be, but they're also missing Andrew Harris. Uh, they are also... all all the defenses are ahead of the offenses right now, but Winnipeg's at least doing enough to put points on the board to um, give themselves a clear advantage over their opponents. Uh, Besides one drive, the defense was stellar again. Uh, They just They couldn't react quickly enough to the change between McLeod Methel Thompson and Nick Arbuckle. Uh, The change of styles led to one touchdown for the Argos. But after that, the Bombers put the clants right back on it. Uh, It seems like specialty teams are, if not as big of a plus as they might've been in 2019 so far, especially in the kicking game, at least not a liability either. Um, you can rank the top three teams in the league right now, uh, any which way you want to, but the bombers belong there, no doubt.
0: Oh, really? You can because I think it's pretty unquestionable. I mean, I I'm kind of traditional like that, where I'll always start power rankings. You know, the defending champ is number one. And uh <laughs> I wish I had done it this year because I'd look really great. I'd look really great. I'd be sure. That sure.
1: Race. Um the their per rivals in Saskatchewan definitely have a case to be made for them too. And uh, to lead into game number three this past week, uh, I don't. I think your team might at least have might at least have something to say about that.
0: Oh yes, yeah. I am definitely ready to talk about my team. But let's quickly do the Argos now. I'm glad you brought up the uh, Arbuckle Bethel Thompson change. That should probably be the other way around, but whatever. But you know their stats weren't that different. You know, I mean, sure, Arbuckle led the the touchdown drive, but geez, I mean, he also gave up being picked from the Argos as well. He also took the game-ending sack and gave up the fumble on the last play of the game. So the last, you know, proper play of the game. You know, I mean, I mean, together, the 20 of 39 for 166 yards, zero TDs. I mean, that's this is kind of the incoherency that we expected when this team came out of the block. Okay. I guess in game one, they had enough to to show for the preseason had never happened, but this game, I mean, wow. Uh, I mean, is this, I guess. Okay. So I guess my coherent question is which is truer to the Argos this
1: season, do you think? The Game 1 Argos or the Game 2 Argos? I think the Game 1 Argos okay. did take it did take it went into Calgary. They've gone into Calgary and Winnipeg. You're not asking. It, those aren't easy places to play no matter what. They did probably play about as good of a game as they could have in Week 1 against the Calgary team who you're mentioning are picked apart and might mm-hmm. be on the downside here. I'm not quite sure i'm going there quite yet because obviously they've played a game and at least a portion of game the first game with an injured quarterback i don't i'm not ready to i'm not ready to completely toss calgary aside quite yet because it's week two it's uh it gets it gets late early this year but it is still early yeah but they're gonna
0: lose next week
1: i think so I think Toronto. I don't think Toronto is going to hold serve at home against Winnipeg either. But Winnipeg is probably is among the hottest teams in the league right now, and are a lot more have a lot more cohesion than Toronto could have with all the changes they've made. I do want to say though, I am impressed at how much veteran leadership they were able to keep around, and how well they seem to. Uh, at least have the appearance of cohesion themselves, mm-hmm. even without a lot of offensive performance in week two. Their defense could have um, quite easily given up a lot more points to Winnipeg, and they weren't they weren't going to cave, even though it was clear the offense was going nowhere. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Like in Hamilton, like in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. But right, <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to Hamilton in a minute. Though. They're quite a conundrum over there. But, okay, let's talk about this. I I, I, Honestly, I can't tell you how stoked I am. I mean, this was one of the best Alouettes games in years. Montreal Alouettes, 30. Edmonton Elks, 13. At Edmonton.
1: And even the 13's a bit of a misnomer, given that the the touchdown came very late in the game.
0: Garbage time. Garbage time. Just over a minute and a half left, and the Alouettes were up 30-6. to That's that's garbage time, even in the no, no lead is safe league. Um right. I wa- some, league, some leads will be safe. <laughs> <laughs> right. Once in a while, a lead is safe. Uh, the uh, you know, I was I was very impressed, especially in the first half, with the offense in general. Not so much that they were high voltage. You know, this isn't a point of minute offense, at least not at week two. Um, you know, Kari Jones isn't actually the quarterback, he's just the head coach. And uh, the offense may have only scored two touchdowns this week, but I just, you know, this offense had a flow, had a rhythm. It was sort of hinted at last season. You know, this team kind of plays like an '80s team. You know, they run the ball. You know, and William Standback was, you know, pretty amazing in this game. You know, um, mm-hmm. yeah, he he, eighteen for 112 yards, and just just punishing. The elk's defense, you know, he was not getting worn down this whole game, but the defense sure was trying to stop him. I mean, this this looks great going forward if we if we can get fifteen to eighteen carries out of this guy, that you know, going for six somewhat yards per carry, I mean, that would also be nice. Um, in fact, the only downside in this game, as far as I can see, uh, was Standback himself, who twice twice was targeted on a short pass. Had the ball and then started looking downfield before he caught it. Now, if that's all the Alouettes need to address before week three, I'm liking this team going forward. How imp- how impressed are you with my team?
1: They were put together. They were in control the entire game. It looked like they. It looked like you could have pulled them out of 2019 and dropped them into 2021 and said, guys. Um, I know you guys just lost the playoff game to Edmonton, but here's a different, completely different Edmonton team. Go (laughs) well, yeah. But, but
0: the thing is, I mean, again, like we look better out there, the Alouettes look better out
1: there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Alouettes went ahead, it it didn't look like they missed them. No,
0: not at all, not at all. They 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 improved, it was like a bye week. Very a very long bye week for the Alouettes. Uh, I was just going to you know say also Mario Alford and the special teams were, were awesome for the L's. So that was nice to see as well. So
1: yeah, wow. I, I think we'd also be remiss for uh, rem- not remarking on uh, Armando Sewell being right about his criticism on Trevor Harris. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to touch upon that. You know, eight for eight before that, afterwards, so you know, he kind of looked like Jeremiah Masoli did that other game, but
1: other than that, I think the I think the biggest key key play of this game, the game, the play that told me what the result was going to be, Edmonton had been in the red zone early in the game, kicked a field goal. Second quarter, they're in the red zone again. Harris like bobbles the snap, and as he's pulling out, it's like he's trying to get out of there so fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he just leaves the ball behind and they lose the ball. And that's how another Edmonton red zone drive goes. They, they brought over something that they didn't want to bring up for 2019, which was you get in the red zone and you kick a field goal or worse. But I think that play, if you go, if you go watch that play, that's going to show you that right there was, you could have just written. If you're taking notes on the game, I wasn't, but if you were, you could have just written game, game over in your notebook and moved on.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, especially after we saw, especially Cody Fajardo is like this, but Vernon Adams is too. They're not afraid to, to pick, call their own number in the red zone. And this is one thing that Edmonton does not have going for them. And what was the result? Five two and outs and two turnovers on downs in scoring situations. I mean, you're not going to win in the CFL like that. And again, like we mentioned uh, before, their first touchdown of the year is in garbage time. <laughs> it's like, where is this team going? I mean, I, mean I, was, I was kind of sold on them a little bit right going into the season. You know, hey, maybe this can work. You know, maybe the familiarity between coach, and quarterback and they've taken a lot of other red blacks on and a lot of the coaching staff as well. Maybe this can work, but
1: yes. Can you can you go de- can you go delete our West preview episode, please? <laughs> I, I'd rather not rethink that one. I'd rather not relive that one. Well, who
0: had BC, you know, who had I mean, I think 90% of CFL fans who are not
1: well, let's see. My one and two are O and two both. <laughs> Uh my three, it's if, if I didn't really specify my three, but my three and four were our two and oh, and our my fifth was is one and one. Yeah, I, I did pretty darn well so far. <laughs> I mean it's again, it's early. It's gonna get late early as well, but it's early, but it doesn't look good so far.
0: 90% of CFL fans not living in Saskatchewan have a combined O and four at the Great Cup right now. So you know, you're not the only one. Let's talk about one of the Vogue picks for Great Cup before the season started, but certainly the bandwagon is getting awfully light. Saskatchewan Roughriders, 30 at home versus the Hamilton Tiger Cats, 8. <laughs> okay, let's see. I know where I want to go first, but where should we go first? All right, let's 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 talk about Hamilton. Hamilton has the bye week catch No team wants the bye week more than Hamilton. Surely, we've got to expect a win from them at week four because of the bye week. I mean, whatever you want to say about this particular Hamilton team, there are no doubles. But afterwards, what needs to change?
1: What's wrong in Hamilton? A lot of things. <laughs> uh, they can't keep their quarterback standing up for one. Doesn't seem like they have any cohesion on offense right now, and if you get into Brandon Banks's head early, you can take him out of the game pretty quickly. And teams are starting to, if not, go directly at that, at least have that in the back of their mind now, and seem to be trying to get him nervous or upset about something and have him take himself out of the game. So you've got a couple of things going on on offense that aren't so hot. Right off the right off the hop, and then the defense isn't it, it isn't being put in a good position to begin with, and it's also not been able to just take over games either, like we've seen in the Hamilton teams in the past.
0: Yeah, you have to talk banks when you talk this team. I mean, here's the defending most outstanding player, right? I mean, he was a non-factor to a minus for Hamilton this week, just five catches on nine targets. Okay. That tells me they're not double covering him too much. He's missing these on his own. He's getting his shots. He's just not catching them for just thirty yards. Now there was another twelve yarder behind the line that he turned into twelve yards. So okay, so six on ten, but still sixty percent is not a great catch ratio for you know again the defending mop. Um, and w- another thing that really struck my eye when I was looking at the box score from this game is. Mazzoli and Fajardo, who, by the way, I'm, I'm in the church of Fajardo, both had the exact same completion and attempt line, 17 for 25, but mirror opposites otherwise. I mean, Fajardo goes for 222 yards. He had a bunch of yards running as well. Two touchdowns passing against zero interceptions. Mazzoli, 135 yards, zero TDs against two interceptions. Um, one of One of the big post-COVID I don't know what you want to call it. Washouts. Uh The big post-COVID disappointments is Jeremiah Masoldi. What happened to this guy?
1: Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think our expectations of him are higher than they should be for a lot of reasons. It's actually brought to my attention by one of our um, fellow Americans, Chuck Curdy Chuck from uh the uh, from the Western Pennsylvania area, that was just questioning why does ever why is everybody in in love with Jeremiah Mazzoli Mm -hmm. and now Chuck's only been watching the league since 2019 closely Uh, Mazzoli was only around for six games last year but Mazzoli does also have a large uh, a a large profile in college football from Mm -hmm. the days he was at Oregon and Mississippi Uh, so it's not exactly a name that Americans don't know or anything like that Uh, but I did I kind of went hmm Am I overthinking this? Uh, it, it, did we just kind of anoint him as a savior at the beginning of 2019 when they got hot, and then he got hurt, and it kind of feels like we are? Um, just he's had one full season as a starter, 2018, and the team, if I'm not mistaken, went eight and ten and missed the playoffs. Uh, sure, he's had some. He's got. He's had some decent numbers uh, over the past between being a backup and a semi starter, but it, it feels like the way we went into the season was thinking of him as this established superstar when he really hadn't uh, really didn't have the body work behind it to support it. Like we were putting him in the same class as Bo Levi and Michael Riley. I don't know if he, I don't know if he's there.
0: Well, by the stats, I mean, the, the thing that that's, I mean, because we've seen closely the whole Mazzoli story, right? I mean, he, there's kind of like there's narrative there right like he followed the career arc you know even to the point where you know last year they get the Cup and he loses right okay but see that's part of the narrative again the next step that everybody you included was willing to make was that okay here's hamilton they're going to get to the gray cup again you know and it, so it's kind of to see this deviates from the expected narrative, I guess would be the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I was a huge debtor, uh, for about Mazzoli for a long time, but I mean, to me, when he was, you know, first getting the starting job, that was, you know, again, the great stats guy. Right? He was the great fantasy stats guy. Uh, got good numbers, but they didn't always win, you know? And then later he worked into that, oh, he's a great leader, you know, all that kind of stuff quarterback so I think that's really it I think that's really it the other thing too is that there was this perception I think in 2019 that quarterback play in the CFL is kind of at a low I mean you you know you guys like Bethel Thompson and um, Cody Fajardo you know starting and you know this is 2019 and nobody was taking guys like that seriously you know and it's like you know is this the is this a low point for CFL quarterbacks so that was part of it i think Missouri looked better by comparison uh in 2019 so you know many factors wow hamilton can turn this
1: around and most certainly they've got they've got mostly east teams right. coming up on the schedule and we have a really besides montreal and it's one game but it's one game more than anybody else has shown uh, just stepping up and blow and blowing a bit away. Nobody else has really stepped up to take any sort of command out east. So Hamilton's not out of this by any stretch. Uh, but they're gonna have to start. They're gonna have to start finding their feet here pretty soon.
0: That's a pretty big hole if Montreal wins next week. Even if Hamilton comes back and beats them in Montreal, because you know again short schedule. Just trying to be optimistic. All right. Well. Mm-hmm. Let's go on to the Riders. Uh, before we get too far in the woods, i got to give a shout-out. because I didn't last week. I want to give a shout-out to Brayden Linnaeus. He finished his career with – I should say he finished his college career as a University of New Mexico local. Uh, he had the touchdown last week, uh, so I really should have given him shout-out last week. But this week, uh, he was the leading receiver for the Riders, five catches on 62 yards. Brayden, nice to have you. Catching passes in the CFL, go Lobos! Joe, as a Bombers fan, incredible. these Riders look really, really good this week again. Uh, sharp at all aspects of the game. How scared are you, these guys?
1: Scared isn't the word, but it's gonna be. It's going to be nerve wracking <laughs> once we get to Labor Day. And it's gonna be nerve-wracking and banjo if they don't win on Labor Day because you don't want to get swept and yada yada yada. But uh, yeah, they're def- definitely not a team to take yeah. lightly overlook. Like it seemed like anybody not wearing green this offseason tended to be doing they if anybody was gonna be the dark horse pick, it was gonna be Edmonton, and I'm probably I'm guessing that was more long. The lines of all the name talent they had right. plus the betting lines were really low on them that kind of got that train rolling but if I'm not mistaken Saskatchewan won the division in 2019 so uh, I can I confess to being guilty of maybe taking them a little bit lightly to begin this season but uh, put it this way, I'm already back on board of this team is one not mm-hmm. to take lightly.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, again, I think well, I mean, now it's a reality that I think most folks are overrating Calgary a little bit and Edmonton a little bit as well. So, again, you're not the only one, Joe. You're not the only one. And I don't mean to say that you're not unique, but in this respect, you're not alone, let's say. Right. We're going to take your brief break seriously like 10 seconds and then we'll be right back to talk (laughs) next week's games all right let's talk some week three starting off with wow this is is quite an interesting way to start because this is going to answer a lot of questions about at least Edmonton's fate going forward. I don't know about BC, but Edmonton Elks are now four and a half point underdogs at BC. All right, I'm I'm gonna have you go first on this one because Montreal is the next game. So go ahead, Joe, what do you think?
1: Okay. Well if I'm gonna be quoting Yogi i all show, <laughs> uh, are you okay. that was that that's what that was with the it's getting late early here. Uh, it's also when they're when you get to a fork on the road, take it, and that's where Edmonton and BC are both going to be at. Yeah, uh, BC's got their first shot at home that, at home this week. Uh, they rallied in the second half against Saskatchewan in week one. They held off a Calgary rally in week two. Uh, they've been in games against Western opponents on the road already. Now they get one that's staggering and heading and heading West uh, to see them in Edmonton and Edmonton season could fall off a cliff pretty quickly. If they get blown out here in BC and BC can establish themselves as a the contender, or we could get, or we could end up taking the other fork in the road, which is to say, hmm, it looks like there's going to be a mess for the third place slot right. in the West. If Edmonton can knock off BC on the road after not showing anything to indicate that they're ready to do that so far
0: what would you pick
1: uh my pick is BC yeah. I give you gonna put uh, assuming Riley is healthy enough to at least play an average game uh I don't see I don't see there being any sort of issue with them as long as Edmonton is playing the way they have been Uh, if Edmonton Edmonton is on my list of, I've got to see something from them now before I'm going to take them. So it's going to be, it's going to be BC until Edmonton tell, until Edmonton shows me otherwise. And when they get out to a 21 to nothing lead on Thursday night, I'll probably be in bed. So I won't realize it till the next morning that I made a mistake, but (laughs) you know, that's how this season is going so far with my pickup. So
0: yeah, you know, we say we say it's too early to tell a lot when it right? we're two three weeks into the CFL season. But with the two and O teams, with the O and two teams, right? Now, I think that's the tack you have to take, right? I mean, Edmonton—they've got to at least look alive out there before garbage time. Before you can seriously go with them,
1: uh, I'm not. I'm not. I've got. I've got to see something out of them, right?
0: Now, now Hamilton, I may give the benefit of the doubt coming out of the bye week, but, yeah, you know, I mean, just in general, and, and same with the 2-0 and o teams. I mean, I haven't seen anyone stop Winnipeg on either side of the ball yet, you know, so you better do it before I bet against Winnipeg, for example. So, in this case, yeah, I'm going BC Lions. Uh, for me, BC Lions is a team that is, if we can say it this early, trending at least slightly upward as Riley gets better and the defense gets more cohesive and just Edmonton just looks like they're spinning their wheels. It doesn't look like any evolution is happening there. So yeah, I'll take BC. I'll take BC minus the points. Okay. Alouettes one and a half point underdogs at Calgary. Now I keep hitting refresh on the official website, cfl.ca. I don't know if they're getting it. Feed on these numbers. I don't know if there's just somebody posting them. You might want to check before this game actually kicks off, but with no bull every Mitchell for Calgary, that's a great line to have. I think they're really gonna try and build on this. I have seen nothing out of Calgary defense that really sparked my interest. I mean, yeah, they've been they've been coming off of a lot of two and outs, but. Again, it's just not the same old Calgary defense. And I did want to point this out, too, is that, you know, the special teams was looking really good for Calgary last week. That was the one part of their game that was getting them any yards at all. Malik Henry was having a great game, was, you know, both returning kicks, returning punts. And then instead of taking the Rouge in the fourth quarter, he got them out to the one-yard line. And so they had to start a drive on the one. And this is the thing for me that really strikes me about Calgary so far this year is, is the mistakes that the Stampeders, the winning Stampeders teams of this decade have not done. So, yeah, I'm all over Montreal. Montreal is the underdog last week. I had them plus the points I'm taking them plus the points. I'm taking them to win this week.
1: Yeah. I'm surprised that they even had that line even before, but was hurt. Um, mm. uh, yeah, I'm I'm all in on Montreal until they show me a reason why. Calgary is in Calgary is also in that same boat of this is a lot worse start than could have been expected. They need to show me something before and it's usually the opposite with Calgary. With me, it's usually they have to show me a reason why not to pick them. Now they're now they're sitting in the bucket of okay, show me a spark before I'm going to consider picking you again.
0: Okay. This one feels like a bit of a trap game for gamblers, but uh, I don't know. Winnipeg Blue Bombers minus six and a half, just six and a half at Toronto Argonauts. Now, I don't know. This this almost feels a little disrespectful. I'll take the the Bombers minus a touchdown all day. Uh, this this line is obviously about marketing, and it's not about reality. Although looking at that other line, <laughs> looking at the Ottawa line. Uh, in any case, all right. What? I mean, obviously you're taking Winnipeg in this game Joe
1: hmm.
0: can Winnipeg actually you know put up again 20 30 points in this game
1: well they've gotten to 20 they got to 20 last week they got to 19 the week before so they're not blowing people out with in terms of points but they are controlling the game they're they're the ones in charge and moving the ball some. Keeping the field position, making a couple of big plays to make the scoreboard spin just enough. Uh, I don't see that changing this week. But if they, my worry is when they bump into somebody that can make the scoreboard spin, uh, I, is their defense going to be able to handle keeping them from doing that enough for the offense to put up enough? Right now, they faced a couple of offenses that haven't shown a whole lot yet. And they're they're going into Toronto not knowing who the starter is going to be this next week, or at least not you know knowing that it could go they could be facing um, Nick Arbuckle to start and McLeod Bessel Thompson later in the game. It's a team without a without a firm set uh, set uh, piece at quarterback at the moment. Uh, but they do have a lot of veteran talent around. It's a veteran team. It's not one that's been around together much. But with all the veterans around, it's not going to matter as much as if they would have had a bunch of rookies there. So Toronto's still going to give them a game. They're still going to make Winnipeg come beat them. Uh, they're not going to beat themselves too much, but I still think Winnipeg has got enough this week. Yeah, I can't
0: see what Toronto would do to change their game on this back end, the back to back. I mean, I just, I, I just don't see how they're going to make up those points against Winnipeg.
1: I mean, again, I don't, I don't see it either. But I also don't think they're going to, they're going to lay down either. They're not going to just hand it to Winnipeg. They're going to make Winnipeg come take
0: it. No, yeah, I believe that. I believe Toronto is a team that that will not panic this season, and you won't see them in too many snowball games. You know, you won't see them in too many forty to seven. Uh, on the losing end, but geez, I mean, a touchdown? I think Winnipeg can win by a touchdown. I don't. Uh, yeah, just I just can't imagine what they can do in the meantime. I think I think in these early games against the East, the only way Winnipeg is, is losing is beating themselves, making stupid mistakes, and I haven't seen much of that this year either. Oh, one more t- one more thing I should say is, is, wow, three more weeks, Joe. Three more weeks. Those Winnipeg Saskatchewan games are going to be good. Right, here we go. Last one. Not thinking much of the Ottawa Red Blacks getting 10 and a half. That's Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, This may be the mismatch of the week. Uh, I really like Saskatchewan here, but, okay. This is probably just the knee-jerk reaction. But I did not like how, in that game, Saskatchewan played with their foot off the gas. I'm wondering if it's in this team to sort of take things for granted, because I could definitely see a lot of people taking Saskatchewan minus the 10 and a half, you know, seeing the 20 point halftime lead and being very shocked to see five points difference by the end of the game. And I just wonder if Saskatchewan has that in them to just, you know, not take the competition seriously. I mean, again, Ottawa is one of the teams that hasn't scored an offensive touchdown yet. Now, they've only scored one game, but there's not much evidence of high scoring coming out of Ottawa. So, I don't know, Joe, what do you see? Now, having not seen much of Ottawa, um, can they keep it close?
1: If they do keep it close, it's going to be on the heels of their defense making some big plays like they did like last week of, one. Yeah. I don't think they'd make enough big plays to beat Saskatchewan. At the same time, I could see them keeping it nerve-wrackingly close and lingering until the very very end of it just because of potential overconfidence uh them making them taking points away making a big 14 point swing with a with a big turnover i could see them having the potential to doing that but if you're going to put the ball in the hands of the offense to say go win the game there's. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I just—I mean, this is one of the things that's really blown me away about Fajardo. Is he's just not making mistakes this year?
1: Nope, nope. Uh, he's gonna they're gonna—he's playing smart ball. Yeah, Ottawa's gonna have to force some mistakes. I think they have the defensive firepower to do that. But if Saskatchewan starts making mistakes on their own—drop passes, a couple fumbles that shouldn't have happened—that kind of thing—I think Ottawa can keep it. Can keep it to close enough to make rider fans nervous
0: red blacks now have two weeks of tape on the riders with their 21 team Plus, they have all of last season on cody Fajardo, so they'll certainly have the information right and
1: and and it wouldn't be, and it would be unfair not to mention that saskatchewan is the only team in the league that scored 30 points in both of their efforts yep yep actually two of the three 30 point totals this season were theirs. nobody else Montreal's Montreal's the other team with 30 points in the bo- in, in their game because they've only had the one nobody else uh, especially team, e- even teams that have played two games have more than 20 or more than um, more than 29
0: have I mentioned that I love these Alouettes <laughs> I love these Alouettes <laughs> this is great I know it's only one yeah, I know this is crazy
1: Go back in time until 2016, Oz. It's okay. It's it's coming.
0: <laughs> okay. On that note, I think we should end this bad boy, Joe. What do you What do you got? What do you got to take us through the next week?
1: Well, we've already got a couple of the biggest quarterbacks in the league banged up. We've got out of eight games, three teams putting up thirty points so far. Uh, more teams have put up less than 10 than have put up 30 so it's definitely a defensive defensive struggle so far this season uh the couple of teams that have offensive firepower might end up just riding that all the way to the gray cup this year
0: i like it i think by saying that joe meets the bombers.
1: Mm. remember 19 and 20 are not 30
0: fair enough (laughs) right for Joe Pritchard, I'm Os Davis. This has been the Bruce White Blue CFL Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.